0: Judges chapter 8, if you will, Judges chapter 8. And of course tonight I'll be bringing another message out of Psalms 55, uh, navigating the stormy seas of life, getting through the bumps of life, and uh, looking forward to that as well. Uh, But Judges chapter 8 will continue our series here uh, through Judges, and kind of be finishing up a little bit of Gideon uh, today. And there's been several messages here, but there's much to learn from his life, both positive and negative. And uh, how it can help us. Uh, Judges chapter eight and verse number eighteen. If you're physically able to, if you join me in standing to your feet out uh, of uh, respect to God's word, and we'll read just a few verses today. We'll go through several more. Uh, but Judges chapter eight will begin in verse number eighteen. If you'll follow along silently, why follow along? Or will I follow along? <laughs> will I read aloud? Then said he unto Ziba and Zalmunna, "What manner of men were they whom ye slew at Tabor And they answered, As thou art, so were they. Each one resembled the children of a king. And he said, They were my brethren, even the sons of my mother. As the Lord liveth, if ye had saved them alive, I would not slay you. And he said unto Jethro his firstborn, Up and slay them. But the youth drew not his sword, for he feared, because he was yet a youth. Then Ziba and Zamuna said, Rise thou and fall upon us. For as the man is, so is his strength. And Gideon arose and slew Ziba and Zamuna, and took away the ornaments that were on the camel's necks. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us. You certainly are a great God. Lord, you alone are worthy of our praise. And Lord, we come to you, Lord, realizing we are nothing and you are everything. Without you, we can do nothing. And Lord, we want to hear from you today. We want to hear from your word Lord, I pray that you help me get out of the way and may you flow through me and say exactly what you want to say through me. Uh, Be with our children's ministries and our youth and that are meeting upstairs and our nursery. And Lord, thank you for those who are tuning in online, those who are sick maybe or out of town or maybe at work. I pray that they know they're loved and appreciated. And may they hear from your word as well. I pray you open up our hearts. And may we learn some truths today that we can glean from the life of Gideon and that we can, Lord, help address in our own lives as well, possibly. For you'll encourage us and challenge us to go forward for you. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There's a story about a farmer, his name of Joan, several years ago. He lived in the countryside all alone, except for his faithful dog. Now, one day... His pet dog passed away, and the farmer, Farmer Jones, went to his pastor and said, Pastor, my dog is dead. Could you possibly do a service for this poor creature? The pastor told the farmer, no, we, we can't do services for animals in the church, unfortunately. But maybe you can go down the road a piece and try one of the other churches. Uh, they might they might help you, and they might do something for the animal. And the farmer looked at him and kind of nodded and says, I understand. He said, uh, sir, I'll go right away. By the way, just, you know, maybe to help me out a little bit, do you think $50,000 is enough for a good service? <laughs> and the pastor looked at him and said, well, Farmer Jones, why didn't you tell me the dog was Baptist? And, uh, <laughs> and you know, oftentimes in life, sometimes we can uh, change the way our tune on things and we hear out some more information. And here we see the same happen in Gideon's life. He found out some things, and maybe some things that he had dealt with had been surfaced. Of course, we know was fear, one of them, and God surfaced it, and God dealt with that fear, and really he became known in in the great hall of faith, and he exercised great faith, and God used him to defeat the Midianite army. But then we see last week, uh, God brought up four different things, and His life to deal with, and it was the area of needing recognition. Of course, the Ephraimites, and later in Gideon's life, he needed to be recognized for what he had done. Really, in all reality, God had done. He needed to learn with rejection. He was he was rejected and did not respond the right way. And God was bringing that out in him to help him to learn about rejection. And, And then relevance. He wanted to be relevant. He wanted to prove himself, and and he had to learn through that that God was. Testing him, God was trying him, and we can be rest and be uh, relieved in the fact that we are in the hands of God, and He is enough for us. We don't need to prove to anyone anything. We talked about handling revenge and Gideon struggled with that. And today, really, it's part two of the message from last week. We're going to look at four more things that God brought up in Gideon's life and how he responded. And how oftentimes in our life, God can bring things up in our lives. And how do we respond to them? Well, number five, or number one this morning, really, but really number five, the part two, is the resentment of Gideon. The resentment of Gideon, if you're writing. We start off in verse number 18. Then he, Gideon, said unto Zeba and Zalmunna, What manner of men were they whom ye slew at Tabar? Uh, and they answered, As thou art, so were they. So it's interesting how he has the generals of these Midianite army, some of the last ones, and of course he told, told the men of Sekoth and Sekhoth you know, that I'm going to get these guys, and I'm going to bring them back, and he does. He brings them back, and of course they're on trial, if you will. Gideon's the judge, and Really, he's doing the right thing by by talking to these men and eventually he's going to take their life because if they'll be allowed to go, they'll just end up getting the nights stirred back up again and perhaps coming back after him. So he is following uh, the will of God, but it's interesting how he follows the will of God because when he asks these generals who they killed, it's interesting when he finds out who they were, they were his family. The Bible says, Ziba and Zamuna says, as thou art, so were they. Each one resembled the children of the king. And even Gideon, though he didn't seem like much, he was a mighty man of valor. And he did have some royalty look about him. And these other men looked similar to them. And these generals says, hey, I think we killed some men that looked a lot like you. And so Gideon responds in verse 19. They were my brethren, even the sons of my mother. And it's interesting how this emotion starts welling back up inside of Gideon again. And he's frustrated. He's 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 furious at them. You killed my brother, And may I say, as most of us would, revenge. And, and he's he's slaying their kinsmen. He's going to go redeem them. And this was a common thing. So Gideon wasn't necessarily out of line. But he doesn't have his vengeance. He doesn't have his emotion under control. Because he says there, if he had saved them alive, I would not slay you. So then Gideon brings his oldest son, Jether to him. And he said unto them, "Jether, is firstborn, up and slay them, verse 20. But the youth drew not a sword. And can you imagine? It's one thing pulling a trigger. But it's another thing, when you're right in these men's face, you've got to pull a sword and you've got to pierce them through. This is not an easy thing for a child to do, a youth. And it's interesting how uh, the, the young man says, no, I'm not going to do it. Now, why would Gideon, want? was he trying to train his young boy? Was he trying to get him ready for the battle so he could be a great leader of Israel? No. I think what it was, was back in those days, when you died by the hand of a child, it was the most uh, humiliating thing possible. It was the worst possible way to die. And Gideon knew this. Gideon was really uh, appeasing his Canaanite fleshly side, and he was really becoming barbaric here. Instead of just dealing with these men, they'd much far rather be slown, slown, slew by Gideon, who was this great warrior. I mean, he's this great leg, legend, if you will. We'd rather die by the hand of Gideon, not some youth. And we don't want to be humiliated so. And Gideon is so furious and so upset. Resentment is sitting in that he wants these guys to pay for their wrongdoing. The youth says no. So Gideon ends up performing the execution himself. In verse 21, then Zeba and Zamuna says, rise thou and fall upon us. For as a man is, so is his strength. And Gideon arose and slew Ziba and Zamuna. By the way, he needed to do this. But he took away the ornaments that were on their camels' necks. And he has a resentment here forming. This emotion's welling up inside him. He's so frustrated, so upset, that he wants to just crush them. He wants to hurt them. And he wants to do it the best way possible in his mind. Have his son, his child slew them so that they can walk away and say, Wow, they died by the hand of a child. Well... Oftentimes in our life, we can struggle with resentment, can we not? There's an illustration about a German man who um, split up with his wife and following his divorce, he appeared to decide to split all of his belongings, literally. He was very disgruntled and he goes by the name of Dur Julie online. He posted a video to YouTube showcasing him cutting chairs, beds, phones in half for his ex-wife. And the video's translation description reads, "Thank you for twelve beautiful years, Laura. You've really earned half." And this is what he did. All right, he literally cut them all. Okay, and uh, he he wrote this video in, in phones, laptops, even teddy bears. And one half, one of the descriptions on his eBay page roughly translates as, "From my half, I must now separate fond memories you cannot remove." Talk about a gentleman who. Dealt with a lot of resentment here. Um, And I know it seems a little humorous. I'm not trying to make light of a situation, maybe, if you've gone through this before. But I am saying that there's times in our life when emotions come up. We get upset. We get frustrated. And uh, if we're not careful when we go through maybe a situation like this, or we go through a situation where, 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 where you're being mistreated, it can breed resentment in us. And though it's not easy to go through those things, and I can't imagine, I never have... I do know what happens if we let resentment seep in. And the Bible says in Hebrews and chapter twelve, verse fifteen, look diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby may be defiled. Once again, not making light of a situation if you're going through this, but I am saying if you don't control that anger or that frustration or that emotion going it can destroy, it can defile you. So I encourage you today, no matter what you're going through, don't allow resentment to defile you. And Gideon here is so frustrated at the people, at these generals, uh, uh, that that he's so angry with them that he just, he takes out his wrath on them. And so we see resentment, and many of us maybe struggle with resentment. Second of all, Gideon had to learn how to deal with the riches of Gideon, the riches of Gideon, if you're writing, He refused to rule. The Bible says in verse 22, Then the men of Israel said unto Gideon, Rule thou over us, both thou and thy son and thy son's son. Also, for thou hast delivered us from the hand of Midian. And these people forget, just as Gideon has, who has given them victory over the Midianites. It wasn't Gideon. It was God. And they say, forget God. Gideon, we want you to rule over us. Now, to be fair... These children of Israel, we'll see later in a few verses that they were Ishmaelites. Ishmaelites Ishmaelites was a Midianite term that really was uh, perhaps the tribe of Reuben and Gad, far along on the other side of the Jordan River. Perhaps they had been disenfranchised, disconnected a little bit from from the other tribes there, and that's why maybe getting that reach out to them for help. And uh, we see that now they see that Midianites are losing their power. Gideon is in control. So they went to Gideon to appease him. And they say, rule over us. We want you to rule over us. Thou and thy son and thy son's son. Create a monarch, a dynasty here of Gideon's family ruling over us. We don't need God anymore. We need man. Now, oftentimes we choose as people, as those who struggle with flesh, we don't want God to rule over us. That's our human nature. We instead want man to, but God is the one who says, hey, I'm the one who created you. I'm the one who took care of you. I'm the one who sustains you. I'm the one who was crucified for you. I was willing to go to the cross for you. I, I, I love you. I, I, I want to be your God. I want to I, I rule over you. I want to be your heavenly father. And oftentimes we can reject that in our lives. And so Gideon responds. The right way in verse 23. What does he say? And Gideon said unto them, I will not rule over you. Neither shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. You know what Gideon says? You don't need a king to obey. You need to obey the king you already have, and that is God. Now we look at Gideon and say, Bravo Gideon, good job. But it's really just something he says verbally, because we'll see later. It wasn't that he really didn't want to be their king. He, didn't, he wanted all the enjoyments that come with being a king. He didn't want to do the work of a leader. He didn't really want to lead these people the right way. He wanted to enjoy all the blessings of the title, the position. And so we see in verse number 24, his requested recompense and Gideon said unto them, I would desire a request for you that ye would give me every man the earrings of his prey. So Gideon tells, these children the Ishmaelites, he says, hey, you want me to kind of oversee you and you want to kind of join the bands with us? Okay, but here's what it's going to do. It's going to cost you something. You need to give me an earring of your prey. Of course, those were from the Midianites. If you remember, they became very wealthy, looting children of Israel. So that when they would kill the Midianites, they had all that spoil they would bring about with them. And and they had all this money. And, and so they willingly did. In verse number uh, 24, uh, 25, they answered, we will willingly give them. And they spread a garment, and did cast every man in the earrings of his prey. It's interesting here that Gideon takes advantage of these people. And there's nothing wrong with, with getting a booty, if you will, from, from the spoils of war. But it's interesting how he does it. He needs it from the men instead of getting it from the blessings of God. We see this similar story, but the opposite outcome in Abraham's life. If you remember when Abraham went and let, rescued Lot from Sodom... And the king says, we're going to give you, I'm going to give you all this stuff. And Abraham says, no, no, no. If you give it to me, it will be like you gave it to me. But I want it to come from the hand of God. In Genesis 14, verse 21. And the king of Sodom, and Sodom said unto Abraham, give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. And Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lift up my hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth. See, Gideon is forgetting God. Abraham says, no, no, no. I am lifting my hand to God. And he said to this king who promised him all this wealth that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abraham rich. See, the difference between Abraham and Gideon is Gideon wanted the people to make him rich. Abraham says, No, I want God to bless me. Isn't it interesting how God blessed Abraham through the years? I want to encourage us today that oftentimes we ascribe and try to get things from other people. And may we just let God take care of that. May we allow God to bless us. We see in chapter number 24, the earrings of his prey. These were gold rings that served as a coinage. And so really he's getting wealthy. He's getting money from the Ishmaelites. In verse number 24, uh, because they were Ishmaelites. And they answered in verse 25, we will willingly give them. in verse 26, the weight of the gold earrings that he requested was 1,700 shekels of gold. Wow, that's a lot of gold, isn't it? Well, and today it's really 70 pounds of gold. And in today's market, it would be 1.4 million dollars. And if you include the purple collars, he said, and, and the purple and the collars and the earrings, the royal colors that was adorning, uh, the camels, uh, what, what was the medallions around their neck, uh, the people and also the camels, all that added up was over $2 million in today's. Not too bad for one night of fighting, right? How many want to go fight for a night and get $2 million? You know? It's interesting how Gideon is saying, oh yeah, just give me a little bit of, of loot, and these people, they they deliver. They want Gideon to be their ruler. They don't want Gideon to destroy him. And so Gideon has all this wealth. But what's interesting to me that even though Gideon said, I will not rule over you. God needs to rule over you. He also wanted to not only serve God, but he also wanted to serve mammon. That reminds me of a verse, you know it well, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. What's interesting to me is Abraham goes from chapter, I'm sorry, Gideon goes from chapter 7, 15, saying, God, I need you. There's no way I can do this. I'm going to worship you. If I'm going to tear down the altars of my father, and if I'm going to tear down the grove of my father, I got to have your help to now He doesn't need God anymore. He, 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 He doesn't need God's help anymore. In fact, you don't hear about Gideon worshiping God anymore the rest of the time that Gideon's in command. And he has entirely forgotten who it is who had called him. By the way, Gideon had completely forgotten who it was who had equipped him. And he had continually forgot the very God who reassured him and the God who won the battle for him. May I say, dear Christian, it's very easy to fall into the trap of forgetting who has called you, who has equipped you, who has reassured you, who has won the battle for you, who has saved you. That's why we observe the Lord's Supper every other month here. We never want to forget what Christ did for us. We never want to forget the day that God called us into His service, that he equipped us, that he enabled us. May I say today, Gideon forgot What God had done for him. And if we're not careful, we too can forget what God has done for us. And we can start leaning on our own understanding. Ephesians 2 verse 8 reminds us, by grace you are saved through faith. May you never forget that were it not for grace, we would not be on our way to heaven. Were it not for Jesus Christ being willing to die on a cross and pay for your sin and mine on the old rugged cross of Calvary... And he was willing to die, give his last breath and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It is finished! If he wouldn't have done that and raised from the grave three days later, we would not be on our way to heaven. The Bible says in verse number 9, our works are worthless to God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. But verse number 10 reminds us, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. May we remember that it was grace that saved us when we failed. But may we also remember that when we succeed in the Christian life, it's also God's grace for allowing us to succeed. And Gideon struggled with this. He was struggling with riches and wealth and affluency, and he was struggling with power. He was thinking, I've arrived. I've have done this. And God says, no, you haven't. You're forgetting what I've done for you. And it became a stumbling block to him. Leo Tolstoy wrote a parable about a successful peasant farmer who was not satisfied with his lot. And he wanted more of everything. And one day he received a novel offer for 1,000 rubles. He could buy all the land he could walk around in a day. And so he did. He started walking at a very fast pace and He started walking faster and faster and at one point in the day he realized that he probably went too far. The only thing to be able to get this thing was he had to be back on his property before the sun went down. And he realized that he was not going to make it back in time at that pace. So he started running and the sun was starting to sink low in the sky and he started sprinting and going as fast as he could. The sun was just about ready to slip behind the shadows and he finally crossed onto the line he started with, only to collapse and die because he ran out of energy. In a few minutes, he was dead, and afterwards, his servants dug a grave. It was not much over six feet long and three feet wide. And the title of Tolstoy's story was simply this, How Much Land Does a Man Need? And we all are guilty of that emotion, are we not? We need more, we need more. I'm not saying you live in that state. But if we're not careful, our flesh always wants more than what we can have. May we be content with what God's given us. May we work hard. May we seek to be prosperous and successful. May we seek to to, to better ourselves. I'm not saying that, but I am saying when we lose focus on God and on flesh and feeling that fleshful desire, we will too fall in the same trap that Gideon fell into. How in the world... Are we leading people today? Well, Second Timothy tells us in chapter 1, verse 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and has called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us, Christ Jesus, before the world began. You know, Timothy struggled with leading. And Paul says, hey, don't be afraid. He was overseeing all the churches in Ephesus. And Paul says, don't lead in fear, but instead realize God has saved us. He will enable us. And Timothy here realized that he needed to lead people in the right direction. Gideon here is not leading people in the right direction, as we'll see here in a few minutes. He is letting his emotions, his fleshly pleasures, his selfishness, lead him in the wrong direction. And so he brings up to number three, the regress of Gideon. The regress of Gideon. The Bible says in verse 27, and Gideon made an ephod thereof. So he gets all this gold, he pounds it down into threads, and he uses it to make this ephod. What is an ephod, you may ask? It's the high priest. It's a sleeveless coat of gold that only the high priest would wear. And it was meant for him and him alone. And it was part of the sacrifice, part of the worship. And it's interesting that Gideon makes this gold thing, this ephod, and he puts it in his city, even in Ophrah. So once again, all this wealth, which isn't necessarily bad, but it's fueling him to do what he shouldn't be doing. He then makes it into this ephod, which is... 70 pounds or so, and he either wears it or he hangs it up for all to see. And it's probably a very large thing, and everybody who passes by says, Wow, that's cool. And he doesn't put it in Shiloh, where the tabernacle is. You see, Shiloh was in Ephraim. If you remember last week, Ephraim won in recognition because they wanted to be the most powerful tribe. They were vying for power. And Manasseh was second only to their competition. And Gideon says, hey, we're not going to put this in Ephraim, not in Shiloh. We're going to put it in Ophrah, therefore opening up another part of worship. You say, well, how in the world do you know it was for worship? The Bible says there, all of Israel went thither a whoring after it, which thing became a snare unto Gideon and to his house. In other words, instead of going to Shiloh to worship, they started coming to Ophrah and worshiping the Ephod, which really resembled Gideon. Gideon takes the power even more from Ephraim. He says, you're not going to be in the spiritual control of these people. I will also play the high priest duties. I don't want to be ruler over you. Let God be ruler over you. But let me control the spiritual power in this area. It's interesting that Gideon starts causing the people to go whoring after The very wrong, uh, very thing that he makes. They commit adultery with it. uh, Idolatry with it, excuse me. They went thither to inquire the will of God. They did not go to the true ephod. Instead, they went to the person who was put in charge and said, and that was Gideon himself, and it became a snare. Gold has often ensnared people, has it not? Think with me in Exodus 32 when Aaron got the golden calf. He asked everybody for their earrings and they had brought it from all the Egypt and they made it into this golden calf and they started worshiping it. The only other time in scripture when someone had, been, had led the people astray and Gideon again is doing just that and he's making this beautiful ephod and now he's, he's causing the whole tribes of Israel to go whoring after it. Isn't it interesting? The very man who led the people out of idolatry is the very man who what? Is leading people back into idolatry. He's causing the people to regress. Superstition. They were worshiping God by a device of his own. Presumption. He was wearing the ephod and trying to assume the office of the high priest. Transgression. It was a plain command. And now he wants them to come and worship him. Making a division among the people. And the most important thing was laying a stumbling block. An occasion of idolatry. Once again, we must be careful how we lead those we're leading. And what we allow to fuel us, because as we go, people who follow us will go as well. We must encourage us to not be like Gideon, who uses God to consolidate his own position, instead of using his position to serve and be used of God. The judge is supposed to turn people from unfaithfulness, but Gideon instead is leading them to it, which brings us up to an application for you and I today. How are you leading people? Are you enamored by the flashy things of the world, the flesh and the devil? Well, that's typical. Satan's out to get us. Constantly barraging us with that. If we're not careful, we can go to God for help and get victory over it and then be ensnared once again. So we must encourage us to be unlike Gideon and say, God, I need your help day by day and with each passing moment. Strength I find to meet my trials here. God, I need you daily. Gideon was getting to the point where he didn't think He needed God, which brings up a story about a father who's vacationing with his family. They got up to a sign on the road and it said the bridge is out ahead. (laughs) The the dad says, no, I doubt it's true. So he goes around the sign and as every good wife will do, she disagreed with him (laughs) and tried to encourage him not to. His wife was resistant, but there was no turning back for this persistent road warrior. And as he finally got to the successful navigation, he began to boast about his gift of discernment. His proud smile was quickly replaced with humble sweat when the road led to a washed-out bridge. He quickly turned the car around and retraced his tracks back to the main road. And when they arrived, the original warning sign on the back it was greeted with large letters, Welcome back, stupid. <laughs> And if we're not careful, we can lead people the wrong way. And what's so humiliating when you've got to say, I followed my flesh today. I was in the flesh. And God says, why don't you just put me first? And so we see Gideon struggles with resentment. Gideon struggles with riches. By the way, riches aren't wrong. It's when they consume us and cause us to do the wrong things when they become wrong. We see the regress of Gideon. But then fourth of all, and last, I want us to see the royalty of Gideon. Gideon, it's very ironic. He says, I will not rule over you. God will. But yet he does the very same things that a king would do. But instead of leading him the right way, he fails to lead. Judges 8, verse 28 says, Thus was Midian subdued before the children of Israel, so they lifted up their heads no more. That is a term of lifting up your heads means a, a watching. If you remember when they lapped up the water, they're supposed to be watching because the enemy could always attack. But now the enemy no longer attacks. They're enjoying peace. In fact, the last time they experienced peace was after Barak had, had led them and Deborah, and they experienced many years of peace. But now they're doing the very exact same thing, a whoring after idols that had caused the nights to come into them in the first place. And it just goes to show that they've gone full circle. And we, as long as I, as you, are all uh, prone to this if we're not careful. We can all get right back in the same trap and same ensnarement that we once were. The Bible says Gideon had threescore and ten sons of his body begotten, for he had many wives. Now, threescore and ten, that's seventy. And that's just men in the Middle Eastern fashion. They usually didn't give a count of the daughters, so he very well could have had 140 children. It doesn't happen with one woman. okay? I are mean, talking about multiple wives. He's living like a king. He's living like Solomon did. He's ensnared by gold and wealth. And he's entrapped by... In fact, it leads him to have a concubine that's from Canaan, of Shechem. He has a concubine now, and he's living as a king would. Even though he promised he would not. And then he has a son who he calls Abimelech, which means, my father is a king. What was he commanded to do in Deuteronomy 17, verse 17? Neither shall he multiply wives to himself, neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. Gideon, once again, is falling in this ensnarement of power, of affluence. He is enjoying the the rewards of being king without being... Without taking the time to lead people the right way, oftentimes when people get to a position of of influence or influence, they enjoy the benefits of it so much. Sometimes they forget to do what they're supposed to do in that position. May I encourage us today? If we are in a leadership position, especially at our church, may we not forget why we are put in that position in the first place? May we continue to serve others. May we not get so used to enjoying the grandeurs of positions that we fail to continue to love people to Jesus. And so what happens here? Gideon becomes greedy. Reminds me of the story of a wealthy businessman. who was known for his being ruthless and unethical and told Mark Twain that before he died, he wanted to take a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. He wanted to climb Mount Sinai where Moses received the Ten Commandments, and he wanted to have a spiritual awakening there. He wanted to experience what Moses did. And Mark Twain, in his typical wit, says, I have a better idea. You could just stay in Boston and just keep the Ten Commandments. But how oftentimes we can get ensnared by wealth or power or influence. But may we be reminded in Luke fourteen thirteen, as I read earlier, But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed. For they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. Instead of using your affluence to pad your ego, may we use our affluence for the right kind of influence. The kind that brings flourishing and healing to our community the kind of influence that lifts up those around you and makes everyone better. Maybe you're going through a time of struggling and now you're finally starting to get on top and you're starting to experience the blessings of God. May we never forget that wasn't given to us to pat our eagle. That was given to us so we continue to be a blessing and minister to more people. And Gideon here is struggling with this. He wants it all for himself. But may I say you and I are just as susceptible to that, are we not? And I've had to struggle with this. And God has to remind us that, hey, no, no, I didn't give that for you. Yes, you might enjoy it and your family can enjoy it, but I gave it so you can impact more lives for the cause of Christ. And so we see Gideon struggles with recognition. He struggles with dealing with rejection. He struggles with the ability and need to achieve relevance. He struggles with handling revenge and resentment and riches and regress and he struggles with royalty, and he's imperfect. We all know that. And isn't it disappointing when a leader is, shows he's human? And this morning we see that the true Savior, if it's a man, he's going to fail us. But instead, if we put our faith and trust in God, and Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, he'll never fail us nor forsake us. He cannot lie. He's never wrong. Though he was tempted like we were, he was tempted, but yet without sin. Do you realize this morning that in our best state, no matter how hard we try, Gideon, greatly used of God, but yet he struggled, he sinned, he missed the mark. The Bible says, for all have sinned. The Bible says, there is none righteous, no, not one. And because of that sin, the Bible says the wage of sin is death. Oh, man. Man. We're we're up the creek without a paddle. We've done wrong. We've missed the mark. And we're destined to a place called hell. The Bible says, for the wager of sin is death. And no matter how much we go to mankind and try all of man's philosophies and we try all of man's quote-unquote inspiration things, at the end of the day, we're going to find ourselves falling short. Because, as Nicodemus learned, you must be born again. Not physically, but spiritually. There must come a time in your life when you realize the only way to heaven, the only way to pay for our sin, is through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Which, by the way, he readily shed for you. Before you even knew it, he did it for you. You were sold on the slave block of sin. You you had no hope. But Jesus Christ was willing to go to the cross for you and pay your penalty for you. You're on one side of the spectrum. He's on the other. There's no way to cross to God. Your works aren't good enough. You fall short. But the cross of Jesus Christ makes a span. And if you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you realize this morning that mankind, the world, the flesh, the devil, it, it, won't, it won't satisfy. It won't pay for that sin debt. Only Jesus Christ will. Would you like a relationship with Jesus Christ today? Do you believe that? Would you like to know for sure you're going to heaven? And I'd love to help you lead you to Christ today. Not that I can do any of the saving. Jesus Christ does it. Holy Spirit draws on that. But I can help point you to the Savior. Maybe today you could walk away knowing for sure you're going to heaven. Maybe you look at Gideon's life and say, oh man. Man, all these things were unearthed. Oh, the resentment, the fear he had, rejection, relevance, revenge, resentment, riches, regress, all these things what 's the point? Why do we keep fighting? why do we keep trying to better ourselves? Because I asked you today, what do you think God could have really done in Gideon 's life had he not fallen to his fleshly fulfillment? here pause to think, do you think God had way more in store for Gideon than just helping him defeat the Midianites. But Gideon, we'll never know what all God could have done in Gideon's life. Because Gideon failed to lead the right way. I want to encourage you today not to be like Gideon and do a major victory and then stop in your life. May I encourage you to be willing to embrace the bumps in the road, embrace those things that God is revealing in your life, And say, I'm not going to say, well, that's just who I am. Better get used to it. Just the way it is. But may we decide to tackle those problems that God brings up in our life. And may we get to the top and live a life of victory. Years ago, there was a little boy and a little girl climbing up the side of a mountain path. They were struggling getting up there. There was big rocks and boulders and bumps along the way. And the little boy was determined. He just kept on going. Leading his sister on. And the sister finally complained. And she said, it's all rocky and bumpy. Why is it so hard? Her little brother just kept up the mountain. Pausing just long enough to call out. Sure it is, sis. But the bumps are what you climb up on. And the bumps help you get to the top. Could it be this morning that the bumps God's revealing in your life are there for you to learn and grow through and deal with so you can become a better servant for, the ch- for God's service. And maybe this morning you're struggling over a bump. There's a bump in your life right now. You say, why am I here? Why am I going through this? Does not make sense? And God says, hey, hey, I'm revealing something in your life that you may not like, but if you'll address it and you'll deal with it, you'll get healthy and you'll actually be able to go forward father up the path and I'll be able to use you in a greater way may I encourage us to deal with those things God's revealing maybe it maybe it wasn't one of the eight things that Gideon dealt with but maybe there's something in your life that God's pricked your heart today may I encourage you to give it to God every head bowed every eye closed this morning maybe there's someone here today that would say you know Pastor Justin man I had no idea my need of a savior I've been trusting a man I've been trusting in the world's ideals. I've been trusting in what my professor said. But I learned today that Jesus Christ is the only answer. And I'm done putting my faith and trust in man. And I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ. If I were to die right now, I want to know for sure I'm going to heaven. I want to begin a relationship with God. Pastor Justin, will you pray for me? that I will invite Jesus Christ in my life. If that's you this morning, would you slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. Anybody in the auditorium? God bless you. I see that hand. Maybe there's someone else that would say, you know, that's me this morning. I don't know for sure. Maybe in the balcony, maybe lower. If you raise your hand, will you say something like this in your life? I see that hand over to my left. I see my hand over by the orchestra. Lord, please come to my heart. I I know that I'm a sinner. Lord, I know I deserve to go to hell. Lord, I need your help. God, I know I've sinned, but I invite you into my life. Lord, I want to put my faith and trust in you. Please come into my heart and save me so I can go to heaven when I die. I repent of my way of thinking what I've been putting my trust in. And I put my trust solely in you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Please come into my heart so I can know for sure I'm going to heaven when I die. With heads bowed and eyes closed, how many would say, you know what, Pastor Justin, I just prayed that prayer, and I just invited Christ in my life. If that's you, we slip up your hand? I want to rejoice with you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Maybe there's someone this morning that would say, you know what, Pastor Justin, I know for sure I'm going to heaven, but I'll, but I'll be honest with you. The Lord's revealing some bumps in my life. And just like he did in Gideon, it may not be resentment, it may not be regress, it might not be royalty, it might not be need for recognition or relevance or, or riches or royalty, but God made it very clear to me today that he's revealing something in my life that I need to deal with. I've just learned to get used to it. Everyone around me has just learned to deal with it. But I, I'm not satisfied with that anymore. I want to get a hold of this so that I can grow and become a better servant for the Lord. Pastor Justin, will you pray for me? If that's you this morning, we you up your hand? I want to pray for you. God bless you all over. Lord, you see the hands. You know the hearts, Lord. I th- I'm thankful for Gideon's example. Lord, I know you used him in a great way. And I, I don't think we need to paint such a picture that he was a wicked man. But I do think that he allowed the flesh, his flesh, to control him. And we're all guilty of that if we're not careful. And we need your help, including myself. And so I pray that you'll help us today to grow in this area and give our bumps to you. Give what you are revealing in our life to you. And may we deal with it. And may you help us. Maybe it's pride. Lord, maybe it's lust. Lord, maybe it's... uh, Selfishness. Maybe it's a lack of faith. I don't know what it is, Lord. But I pray you'll touch our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could stand to your feet, the altar's open, the piano's going to play. May I encourage you to maybe take a minute here today, spend some time with God. Maybe you gave your life to Christ today. You prayed. May I encourage you to come forward and maybe tell one of our assistant pastors up here we want to rejoice with you. Maybe you'd have maybe someone that wants to follow it in baptism or maybe church membership. You're you're interested in that and you're interested in starting point or maybe you, you've been through starting point and you're ready to put your faith and trust in God. May I, 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 I'm i not faith to trust God but you're, 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 you're ready to put your membership here at Grandview Baptist Church. We'd love to have you. May I encourage you to allow God to work in your heart. Take a minute there in your pew maybe. If you'd like to come forward, that's what the altar is open. This time is all about You getting alone with God, spending some time with him. Maybe you feel like you're where God wants you to be, and that's a wonderful place. May you take a moment and pray and say, God, help me to stay where I am. I'm going to stay close to you, stay in love with you. Because just like that, the devil can swoop in and try to deter us. May I encourage us today to take some time and just pray and spend some time with God this morning. God bless you. you. may be seated and uh, so thankful uh, for Shirley Ears. Did I say it right? Ears. I'm sorry. Shirley Ears. And, and Brother John, you even wrote it like that, so I should have known that. Um, but she's coming today for membership. She's going to be joining Starting Point today. And Shirley, all in, uh, thank you for coming and being a part of our church. All in favor of Shirley joining, say aye. 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 Okay. It carries. We're glad to have you with us. And we're looking forward to serving the Lord together. And thank you for being a good friend as well and coming up with her. What a blessing that is. Let's see, I hear the, the Dombrowskis are here today. God bless you. This is, many of you remember Mark Dombrowski and his wife Morgan. We're on staff here for, for a long time. We're thankful to have them and their parents back. And I'm sure you visited Chick fil A too while you're up here, huh? And uh, I, I got to stop in their son's Chick fil A restaurant the other day. And it was good. They took good care of us. And, uh, and so we're glad you're here. Hopefully you enjoy your time here. Uh, this time we're going to show our next video, a few announcements coming up. And then for those who are part of Starting Point class, we'll be starting in a few minutes uh, down in the Abundant Life classroom. If you need help getting down there, uh, please see one of the staff. We'll be happy to get you there. Don't forget to come back tonight at uh, 5. A very important message. I believe will be help to you and encouragement to you. Looking forward to that. <music> Good morning and thank you for joining us today. We hope this morning's service was a blessing to you. Join us tonight at five for our evening service with Pastor Layman. Grandview Christian Academy registration for the next school year is open to church members and school families now. Starting March 6th, registration will be open to the public so be sure to get your registration in as soon as possible. Our Level Up teaching and training modules will be held next Sunday night, February 26th during the 5 p.m. service. Come and choose two of the 12 modules on various topics from the lineup. Don't miss this special time of training with something for every Christian. We're looking forward to Youth Explosion. This public school youth revival will be March 6th through the 8th. As a result of this outreach, over 1,500 teenagers have had the opportunity to accept Christ as their Savior. There are two ways you can get involved. First, join us in prayer that God would bless our efforts and see many teenagers trust Christ as their Savior secondly you can help us in giving as we prepare and plan this event to donate simply use a youth explosion envelope or designate youth explosion in your online giving if this is your first or second time here we want to answer your questions and get to know you please fill out the connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium we would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card have a great afternoon and we'll see you tonight at five Okay, please know that um, God loves you and this pastor loves you. We're praying for you. Hope you have a great week. You are dismissed.